Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight, I will be continuing the story, The Adventures of Robin Hood. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. The shooting match at Nottingham Town. Then the sheriff was very wroth because of this failure to take Jolly Robin, for it came to his ears, as ill news always does, that the people laughed at him and made a jest of his thinking to serve a warrant upon such one as the bold outlaw. And a man hates nothing so much as being made a jest of, so he said, Our gracious Lord and Sovereign King himself shall know of this, and how his laws are perverted and despised by this band of rebel outlaws. As for yon traitor Tinker, him will I hang, if I catch him, upon the very highest gallows trees in all Nottinghamshire. Then he bade all his servants and retainers to make ready to go to London town to see and speak with the king. At this there was bustling at the sheriff's castle, and men ran hither and thither upon this business and upon that, while the forge fires of Nottingham glowed red far into the night like twinkling stars, for all the smiths of the town were busy making or mending armour for the sheriff's troop of escort. For two days this labour lasted, then, on the third, all was ready for the journey. So forth they started in the bright sunlight from Nottingham town to Fossway and thence to Watling Street 
And so they journeyed for two days until they saw at last the spires and towers of Great London Town. And many folks stopped as they journeyed along and gazed at the show they made riding along the highways with their flashing armour and gay plumes and trappings. In London, King Henry and his fair Queen Eleanor held their court. With ladies in silks and satins and velvets and cloth of gold, and also brave knights and gallant courtiers. Thither came the sheriff and was shown into the king's presence. A boon, a boon, quoth he, as he knelt upon the ground. Now what wouldst thou have, said the king? Let us hear what may be thy desires. O good, my lord and sovereign, spake the sheriff. In Sherwood Forest, in our own good shire of Nottingham, liveth a bold outlaw whose name is Robin Hood. In good sooth, said the king, his doings have reached even our own royal ears. He is a saucy, rebellious varlet. Yet I am fain to own a right merry soul withal. But hearken, O my most gracious sovereign, said the sheriff. I sent a warrant to him with thine own royal seal attached by a right lusty knave, but he beat the messenger and stole the warrant. And he killeth thy dare and robbeth thine own liege subjects even upon the great highways. Why, how now, quoth the king wrathfully, what wouldst thou have me do? Comest thou not to me with a great array of men-at-arms and retainers, and yet art not able to take a single band of lusty knaves without armour on breast in thine own county? What wouldst thou have me do? Art thou not my sheriff? Are not my laws enforced in Nottinghamshire? Canst thou not take thine own course against those that break the laws, or do any injury to thee or thine? Go, get thee gone, and think well. Devise some plan of thine own, but trouble me no further. But look well to it, Master Sheriff, for I will have my laws obeyed by all men within my kingdom, and if thou art not able to enforce them, thou art no sheriff for me. So look well to thyself, I say, or ill may befall thee as well as all the thieving knaves in Nottinghamshire. When the flood cometh, it sweepeth away grain as well as chaff. Then the sheriff turned away with a sore and troubled heart, and sadly he rued his fine show of retainers, for he saw that the king was angry because he had so many men about him and yet could not enforce the laws. So as they all rode slowly back to Nottingham, the sheriff was thoughtful and full of care. Not a word did he speak to anyone, and no one of his men spoke to him. But all the time he was busy devising some plan to take Robin Hood. Aha, cried he suddenly, smiting his hand upon his thigh. I have it now. Ride on, my merry men all, and let us get back to Nottingham Town as speedily as we may. And mark well my words, before a fortnight has passed, that evil knave Robin Hood will be safely clapped into Nottingham Jail. But what was the sheriff's plan? As a usurer takes each one of a bag of silver angels, feeling each coin to find whether it be clipped or not, so the sheriff, as all rode slowly and sadly back toward Nottingham, took up thought after thought in turn, feeling around the edges of each, but finding in every one some flaw. At last, he thought of the daring soul of Jolly Robin, and how, as he the sheriff knew, he often came even within the walls of Nottingham. Now, thought the sheriff, could I but persuade Robin nigh to Nottingham town so that I could find him, I warrant I would lay hands upon him so stoutly that he would never get away again. Then of a sudden it came to him like a flash that were he to proclaim a great shooting match and offer some grand prize, Robin Hood might be overpersuaded by his spirit to come to the butts. And it was this thought which caused him to cry aha and smite his palm upon his thigh. So as soon as he had safely returned to Nottingham, he sent messengers north and south and east and west to proclaim through town, hamlet and countryside this grand shooting match. And everyone was bidden that could draw a longbow and the prize was to be an arrow of pure beaten gold. When Robin Hood first heard the news of this, he was in Lincoln Town, and hastening back to Sherwood Forest, he soon called all his merry men about him and spoke to them thus. 
Now hearken, my merry men all, to the news that I have brought from Lincoln Town today. Our friend, the Sheriff of Nottingham, hath proclaimed a shooting match, and hath sent messengers to tell of it through all the countryside, and the prize is to be a bright golden arrow. Now I fain would have one of us win it, both because of the fairness of the prize, and because our sweet friend the Sheriff hath offered it. So we will take our bows and shafts, and go there to shoot, for I know right well that merriment will be a-going. What say ye, lads? Then young David of Doncaster spoke up and said, Now listen, I pray thee, good master, unto what I say. I have come straight from our friend Edom of the Blue Boar, and there I heard the full news of this same match. But master, I know from him, and he got it from the sheriff's man, Ralph the Scar, that this same knavish sheriff hath but laid a trap for thee in this shooting match, and wishes nothing so much as to see thee there. So go not, good master, for I know right well he doth seek to beguile thee, but stay within the greenwood, lest we all meet dole and woe. Now, quoth Robin, thou art a wise lad, and keepest thine ears open and thy mouth shut, as becometh a wise and crafty woodsman. But shall we let it be said that the sheriff of Nottingham did cow bold Robin Hood and seven score as fair arches as are in all merry England? Nay, good David, what thou tellest me maketh me to desire the prize even more than I else should do. But what saith our good gossip Swanthold? Is it not a hasty man burneth his mouth, and the fool that keepeth his eyes shut falleth into the pit? Thus he says truly, therefore we must meet guile with guile. Now some of you clothe yourselves as curtle friars, and some as rustic peasants, and some as tinkers or as beggars. But see that each man taketh a good bow or broadsword, in case need should arise. As for myself, I shall shoot for this same golden arrow, and should I win it, we will hang it to the branches of our good greenwood tree for the joy of all the band. How like you the plan, my merry men all? Then, good, good, cried all the band right heartily. A fair sight was Nottingham Town on the day of the shooting match. All along, upon the green meadow, beneath the town wall, stretched a row of benches, one above the other, which were for knight and lady, squire and dame, and rich burghers and their wives, for none but those of rank and quality were to sit there. At the end of the range, near the target, was a raised seat bedecked with ribbons and scarfs and garlands of flowers for the sheriff of Nottingham and his dame. The range was two score paces broad. At one end stood the target, at the other a tent of striped canvas, from the pole of which fluttered many coloured flags and streamers. In this booth were casks of ale, free to be broached by any of the archers who might wish to quench their thirst. Across the range from where the seats for the better folk were raised was a railing to keep the poorer people from crowding in front of the target. Already, while it was early, the benches were beginning to fill with people of quality who kept constantly arriving in little carts or upon palfreys that curveted to the merry tinkle of silver bells at bridal reins. With these came also the poorer folk who sat or lay upon the green grass near the railing that kept them from off the range. In the great tent, the archers were gathering by twos and threes, some talking loudly of the fair shots each man had made in his day, some looking well to their bows, drawing a string betwixt the fingers to see that there was no fray upon it, or inspecting arrows, shutting one eye and paring down a shaft to see that it was not warped, but straight and true, for neither bow nor shaft should fail at such a time and for such a prize. And never was such a company of yeomen as were gathered at Nottingham Town that day. For the very best archers of Merry England had come to this shooting match. There was Gill of the Red Cap, the sheriff's own head archer, and Dickon Crushank of Lincoln Town, and Adam of the Dell, a man of Tamworth, of three score years and more, yet hale and lusty still, who in his time had shot in the famous match at Woodstock and had there beaten that renowned archer, Clem of the Cloth. And many more famous men of the Longbow were there, whose names have been handed down to us in goodly ballads of the olden time. 
But now all the benches were filled with guests, lord and lady, burger and dame, when at last the sheriff himself came with his lady, he riding with stately mien upon his milk-white horse and she upon her brown filly. Upon his head he wore a purple velvet cap, and purple velvet was his robe, all trimmed about with rich ermine. His jerkin and his hose were of sea-green silk, and his shoes of black velvet, the pointed toes fastened to his garters with golden chains. A golden chain hung about his neck, and at his collar was a great carbuncle set in red gold. His lady was dressed in blue velvet, all trimmed with swan's down. So they made a gallant sight as they rode along, side by side, and all the people shouted from where they crowded across the space from the gentlefolk. So the sheriff and his lady came to their place where men-at-arms with hauberk and spare stood about waiting for them. Then when the sheriff and his dame had sat down, he bade his herald wind upon his silver horn, who thereupon sounded three blasts that came echoing cheerily back from the grey walls of Nottingham. Then the archers stepped forth to their places, while all the folks shouted with a mighty voice, each man calling upon his favourite yeoman. Redcap, cried some. Hushank, cried others. Hey for William Leslie, shouted others yet again, while ladies waved silken scarves to urge each yeoman to do his best. Then the herald stood forth and loudly proclaimed the rules of the game as follows. Shoot each man from yon mark, which is seven score yards and ten from the target. One arrow shooteth each man first, and from all the archers shall the ten that shooteth the fairest shafts be chosen for to shoot again. Two arrows shooteth each man of these ten. Then shall the three that shoot the fairest shafts be chosen for to shoot again. Three arrows shooteth each man of those three, and to him that shooteth the fairest shafts shall the prize be given. Then the sheriff leaned forward, looking keenly among the press of archers, to find whether Robin Hood was among them. But no one was there clad in Lincoln green, such as was worn by Robin and his band. Nevertheless, said the sheriff to himself, he may still be there, and I miss him among the crowd of other men. But let me see when but ten men shoot, for I would he will be among the ten, or I know him not. And now the archers shot, each man in turn, and the good folk never saw such archery as was done that day. Six arrows were within the clout, four within the black, and only two smote the outer ring so that when the last arrow sped and struck the target, all the people shouted aloud, for it was noble shooting. And now but ten men were left of all those that had shot before, and of these ten, six were famous throughout the land, and most of the folk gathered there knew them. These six men were Gilbert of the Red Cap, Adam of the Dell, Dickon Cruishank, William of Leslie, Hubert of Cloud, and Swithin of Hartford. Two others were a yeoman of Merry Yorkshire. Another was a tall stranger in blue who said he came from London town. And the last was a tattered stranger in scarlet who wore a patch over one eye. Now, quoth the sheriff, to a man at arms who stood near him, seest thou Robin Hood among those ten? Nay, that do I not, your worship, answered the man. Six of them I know right well. Of those Yorkshire yeomen, one is too tall, and the other too short for that bold knave. Robin's beard is as yellow as gold, while yon tattered beggar in scarlet hath a beard of brown, besides being blind in one eye. As for the stranger in blue, Robin's shoulders, I ween, are three inches broader than his. Then, quoth the sheriff, smiting his thigh angrily, yon knave is a coward as well as a rogue and dares not show his face among good men and true. Then, after they had rested a short time, those ten stout men stepped forth to shoot again. Each man shot two arrows, and as they shot, not a word was spoken, but all the crowd watched with scarce a breath of sound. But when the last had shot his arrow, another great shout arose, while many cast their caps aloft for joy at such marvellous shooting. Now by our gracious lady fair, quoth old Sir Amias of the Dell, who, 
bowed with fourscore years and more, sat near the sheriff. Near saw I such archery in all my life before, yet I have seen the best hands at the longbow for threescore years and more. And now the three men were left of all those that had shot before. One was Gil of the Redcap, one the Tattered Stranger in Scarlet, and one Adam of the Dell of Tamworth Town. Then all the people called aloud, some crying, Ho! for Gilbert of the Redcap, and some, Hey! for stout Adam of Tamworth. But not a single man in the crowd called upon the stranger in Scarlet. Now, shoot thou well, Gilbert, cried the sheriff, and if thine be the best shaft, five score broad silver pennies will I give to thee beside the prize. Truly, I will do my best, quoth Gilbert right sturdily. A man cannot do aught but his best, but that will I strive to do this day. So saying, he drew forth a fair smooth arrow with a broad feather and fitted it deftly to the string. Then drawing his bow with care, he sped the shaft. Straight flew the arrow and lit fairly in the clout, a finger's breadth from the center. Ah, Gilbert, eh, Gilbert, shouted all the crowd. And now, by my faith, cried the sheriff, smiting his hands together, that is a shrewd shot. Then the tattered stranger stepped forth, and all the people laughed as they saw a yellow patch that showed beneath his arm when he raised his elbow to shoot, and also to see him aim with but one eye. He drew the good Yubo quickly, and quickly loosed a shaft. So short was the time that no man could draw a breath betwixt the drawing and the shooting. Yet his arrow lodged nearer the centre than the other by twice the length of a barleycorn. Now by all the saints in paradise, cried the sheriff, that is a lovely shaft in very truth. Then Adam the Dell shot, carefully and cautiously, and his arrow lodged close beside the stranger's. Then after a short space, they all three shot again, and once more each arrow lodged within the clout. But this time, Adam the Dell was furthest in the centre, and again the tattered stranger's shot was the best. Then, after another time of rest, they all shot for the third time. This time, Gilbert took great heed to his aim, keenly measuring the distance and shooting with shrewdest care. Straight flew the arrow, and all shouted till the very flags that waved in the breeze shook with the sound, and the rooks and daws flew clamoring about the roofs of the old grey tower, for the shaft had lodged close beside the spot that marked the very centre. Well done, Gilbert, cried the sheriff right joyously. Fain am I to believe the prize is thine, and right fairly won. Now, thou ragged knave, let me see thee shoot a better shaft than that. Not spake the stranger, but took his place, while all was hushed, and no one spoke or even seemed to breathe, so great was the silence for wonder what he would do. Meanwhile, also, quite still stood the stranger, holding his bow in his hand, while one could count five. Then he drew his trusty yew, holding it drawn but a moment, then loosed the string. Straight flew the arrow, and so true that it smote a grey goose feather from off Gilbert's shaft, which fell fluttering through the sunlit air as the stranger's arrow lodged close beside his of the red cap and in the very centre. No one spoke a word for a while, and no one shouted, but each man looked into his neighbour's face amazedly. Nay, quoth old Adam of the Dell, presently, drawing a long breath and shaking his head as he spoke, Two score years and more have I shot shaft, and maybe not all times bad, but I shoot no more this day, for no man can match with yon stranger, whosoever he may be. Then he thrust his shaft into his quiver, rattling and unstrung his bow without another word. Then the sheriff came down from his dais and drew near, in all his silks and velvets, to where the tattered stranger stood leaning upon his stout bow, while the good folk crowded around to see the man who shot so wondrously well. Here, good fellow, quoth the sheriff, take thou the prize, and well and fairly hast thou won it, I bow. What may be thy name, and whence comest thou? Men do call me Jocka Tiviotdale, and thence am I come, said the stranger. Then by Our Lady Jock, 
thou art the fairest archer that e'er mine eyes beheld. And if thou wilt join my service, I will clothe thee with a better coat than that thou hast upon thy back. Thou shalt eat and drink of the best, and at every Christmas tide four score marks shall be thy wage. I trow thou drawest better bull than that same coward knave Robin Hood that dare not show his face here this day. Say, good fellow, wilt thou join my service? Nay, that will I not, quoth the stranger roughly. I will be mine own, and no man in all merry England shall be my master. Then get thee gone, and a moraine seize thee, cried the sheriff, and his voice trembled with anger. And by my faith and troth, I have a good of a mind to have thee beaten for thine insolence. Then he turned upon his heel and strode away. It was a right motley company that gathered about the noble greenwood tree in Sherwood's depths that same day. A score and more of barefoot friars were there, and some that looked like tinkers, and some that seemed to be sturdy beggars and rustic hinds. And seated upon a mossy couch was one all clad in tattered scarlet, with a patch over one eye. And in his hand he held the golden arrow that was the prize of the great shooting match. Then, amidst a noise of talking and laughter, he took the patch from off his eye and stripped away the scarlet rags from off his body and showed himself all clothed in fair Lincoln green. And quoth he, Easy come these things away, but walnut stain cometh not so speedily from yellow hair. Then all laughed louder than before, for it was Robin Hood himself that had won the prize from the sheriff's very hands. Then all sat down to the woodland feast and talked among themselves of the merry jest that had been played upon the sheriff and of the adventures that had befallen each member of the band in his disguise. But when the feast was done, Robin Hood took little John apart and said, Truly am I vexed in my blood. For I heard the sheriff today say, Thou shootest better than that coward knave Robin Hood that dared not show his face here this day. And I would fain let him know who it was who won the golden arrow from out his hand, and also that I am no coward such as he takes me to be. Then little John said, Good master, take thou me and Will Stutely, and we will send yon fat sheriff news of all this by a messenger such as he doth not expect. That day the sheriff sat at meat in the great hall of his house at Nottingham Town. Long tables stood down the hall, at which sat men-at-arms and household servants, and good stout villains in all, fourscore and more. There they talked of the day's shooting as they ate their meat and quaffed their ale. The sheriff sat at the head of the table, upon a raised seat under a canopy, and beside him sat his dame. By my troth, said he, I did reckon full roundly that that knave Robin Hood would be at the game today. I did not think that he was such a coward. But who could that saucy knave be who answered me to my beard so bravely? I wonder that I did not have him beaten, but there was something about him that spoke of other things than rags and tatters. Then, even as he finished speaking, something fell rattling among the dishes on the table, while those that sat near started up, wondering what it might be. After a while, one of the men-at-arms gathered courage enough to pick it up and bring it to the sheriff. Then everyone saw that it was a blunted grey goose shaft with a fine scroll about the thickness of a goose quill tied near to its head. The sheriff opened the scroll and glanced at it, while the veins upon his forehead swelled and his cheeks grew ruddy with rage as he read, for this was what he saw. Now heaven bless thy grace this day, say all in sweet Sherwood, for thou didst give the prize away to Mary Robin Hood. Whence came this? cried the sheriff in a mighty voice. Even through the window, your worship, quoth the man who had handed the shaft to him. Will Stutely rescued by his companions. Now when the sheriff found that neither law nor guile could overcome Robin Hood, he was much perplexed and said to himself, Fool that I am, had I not told our king of Robin Hood, I would not have gotten myself into such a coil. But now I must either take him captive 
or have wrath visited upon my head from his most gracious majesty. I have tried law, and I have tried guile, and I have failed in both, so I will try what may be done with might. Thus communing within himself, he called his constables together and told them what was in his mind. Now take ye each four men, all armed in proof, said he, and get ye gone to the forest at different points and lie in wait for this same Robin Hood. But if any constable finds too many men against him, let him sound a horn, and then let each band within hearing come with all speed and join the party that calls them. Thus, I think, shall we take this green-clad knave. Furthermore, to him that first meeteth with Robin Hood, shall one hundred pounds of silver money be given, if he be brought to me dead or alive. And to him that meeteth with any of his band, shall two score pounds be given, if such be brought to me dead or alive. So be ye bold, and be ye crafty. So thus they went in three score companies of five to Sherwood Forest to take Robin Hood, each constable wishing that he might be the one to find the bold outlaw, or at least one of his band. For seven days and nights they hunted through the forest glades, but never saw so much as a single man in Lincoln Green, for tidings of all of this had been brought to Robin Hood by trusty Edom of the Blue Boar. When he first heard the news, Robin said, If the sheriff dare send force to meet force, woe will it be for him, and many a better man besides, for blood will flow, and there will be great trouble for all. But fain would I shun blood in battle, and fain would I not deal sorrow to womenfolk and wives, because good stout yeomen lost their lives. Once I slew a man, and never do I wish to slay a man again, for it is bitter for the soul to think thereon. So now we will abide silently in Sherwood Forest, so that it may be well for all. But should we be forced to defend ourselves, or any of our band, then let each man draw bow and brand with might and main. At this speech, many of the band shook their heads and said to themselves, Now the sheriff will think that we are cowards, and folk will scoff throughout the countryside, saying that we fear to meet these men. But they said nothing aloud, swallowing their words and doing as Robin bade them. Thus they hid in the depths of Sherwood Forest for seven days and seven nights, and never showed their faces abroad in all that time. But early in the morning of the eighth day, Robin Hood called the band together and said, Now who will go and find what the sheriff's men are at by this time? For I know right well they will not bide forever within Sherwood's shades. At this, a great shout arose, and each man waved his bow aloft and cried that he might be the one to go. Then Robin Hood's heart was proud when he looked around on his stout, brave fellows, and he said, Brave and true are ye all, my merry men, and a right stout band of good fellows are ye, but ye cannot all go. So I will choose one from among you, and it shall be good Will Stutely, for he is as sly as e'er an old dog fox in Sherwood Forest. Then Will Stutely leaped high aloft and laughed loudly, clapping his hands for pure joy that he should have been chosen from among them all. Now thanks, good master, quoth he, and if I bring not news of those knaves to thee, call me no more thy sly Will Stutely. Then he clad himself in a friar's gown and underneath the robe he hung a good broadsword in such a place that he could easily lay hands upon it. Thus clad, he set forth upon his quest until he came to the verge of the forest and so to the highway. He saw two bands of the sheriff's men, yet he turned neither to the right nor the left, but only drew his cowl the closer over his face, folding his hands as if in meditation. So at last he came to the sign of the blue boar. For, quoth he to himself, our good friend Edom will tell me all the news. At the sign of the blue boar, he found a band of the sheriff's men drinking right lustily. So, without speaking to anyone, he sat down upon a distant bench, his staff in his hand, and his head bowed forward as though he were meditating. Thus he sat waiting until he might see the landlord apart, 
and Edom did not know him, but thought him to be some poor, tired friar. So he let him sit without saying a word to him or molesting him, though he liked not the cloth. For, said he to himself, it is a hard heart that kicks the lame dog from off the sill. Astutely sat thus, there came a great house cat and rubbed against his knee, raising his robe a palm's breadth high. Astutely pushed his robe quickly down again, but the constable who commanded the sheriff's men saw what had passed and saw also fair Lincoln Green beneath the friar's robe. He said nothing at the time, but communed within himself. Yon is no friar of orders grey, and also, I would, no honest yeoman goeth about in priest's garb, nor doth a thief go so for naught. Now I think in good sooth that is one of Robin Hood's own men. So presently he said aloud, O holy father, wilt thou not take a good pot of March bear to slake thy thirsty soul withal? But Stutely shook his head silently, for he said to himself, Maybe there be those here who know my voice. Then the constable said again, Whither goest thou, holy friar, upon this hot summer's day? I go a pilgrim to Canterbury Town, answered Will Stutely, speaking gruffly, so that none might know his voice. Then the constable said for the third time, Now tell me, holy father, do pilgrims to Canterbury wear good Lincoln green beneath their robes? Ha! By my faith, I take thee to be some lusty thief, perhaps one of Robin Hood's own band. Now by Our Lady's grace, if thou movest hand or foot, I will run thee through the body with my sword. Then he flashed forth his bright sword and leaped upon Will Stutely, thinking he would take him unaware. But Stutely had his own sword tightly held in his hand beneath his robe, so he drew it forth before the constable came upon him. Then the stout constable struck a mighty blow, but he struck no more in all that fight. For Stutely, parrying the blow right deftly, smote the constable back again with all his might. Then he would have escaped, but could not, for the other, all dizzy with the wound and with the flowing blood, seized him by the knees with his arms, even as he reeled and fell. Then the others rushed upon him, and Stutely struck again at another of the sheriff's men, but the steel cap glanced the blow and though the blade bit deep, it did not kill. Meanwhile, the constable, fainting as he was, drew stutely downward, and the others, seeing the yeoman hampered so, rushed upon him again, and one smote him a blow upon the crown so that the blood ran down his face and blinded him. Then, staggering, he fell, and all sprang upon him, though he struggled so manfully that they could hardly hold him fast. Then they bound him with stout hempen cords so that he could not move either hand or foot, and thus they overcame him. Robin Hood stood under the greenwood tree, thinking of Will Stutely and how he might be faring, when suddenly he saw two of his stout yeomen come running down the forest path, and betwixt them ran buxom Macon of the blue boar. Then Robin's heart fell, for he knew they were the bearers of ill tidings. Will Stutely hath been taken, cried they, when they had come to where he stood. And is it thou that hast brought such doleful news? said Robin to the lass. Ay, marry, for I saw it all, cried she, panting as the hare pants when it has escaped the hounds. And I fear he is wounded sore, for one smote him, mane shrewdly in the crown. They have bound him and taken him to Nottingham town, and ere I left the blue boar, I heard that he should be hanged tomorrow day. He shall not be hanged tomorrow day, cried Robin. Or if he be, full many a one shall gnaw the sod, and many shall have cause to cry, alack a day. Then he clapped his horn to his lips and blew three blasts right loudly, and presently his good yeoman came running through the greenwood until seven score bold blades were gathered around him. Now hark you all, cried Robin. Our dear companion will stutely have been taken by that vile sheriff's men. Therefore doth it behoove us to take bow and brand in hand to bring him off again. For I wot that we ought to risk life and limb for him, as he hath risked life and limb for us. Is it not so, my merry men all? They all cried, I, with a great voice. So the next day, they all wended their way from Sherwood Forest, but by different paths 
for it behooved them to be very crafty. So the band separated into parties of twos and threes, which were all to meet again in a tangled dell that lay near to Nottingham Town. Then, when they had all gathered together at the place of meeting, Robin spoke to them thus, Now we will lie here in ambush until we can get news, for it doth behoove us to be cunning and wary if we would bring our friend Will Stutely off from the sheriff's clutches. So they lay hidden a long time until the sun stood high in the sky. The day was warm and the dusty road was bare of travellers, except an aged palmer who walked slowly along the high road that led close beside the grey castle wall of Nottingham Town. When Robin saw that no other wayfarer was within sight, he called young David of Doncaster, who was a shrewd man for his years, and said to him, Now get thee forth, young David, and speak to yonder palmer that walks beside the town wall, for he hath come but now from Nottingham Town, and may tell thee news of good Stutely, perchance. So David strode forth, and when he came up to the pilgrim, he saluted him and said, Good morrow, holy father, and canst thou tell me when Will Stutely will be hanged upon the gallows tree? I fain would not miss the sight, for I have come from afar to see so sturdy a rogue hanged. Now, out upon thee, young man, cried the palmer, that thou shouldst speak so when a good stout man is to be hanged for nothing regarding his own life. And he struck his staff upon the ground in anger. Alas, say I, that this thing should be. For even this day toward evening, when the sun falleth low, he shall be hanged, four score rods from the great town gate of Nottingham, where three roads meet. For there the sheriff sweareth he shall die as a warning to all outlaws in Nottinghamshire. But yet, I say again, alas, for though Robin Hood and his band may be outlaws, yet he taketh only from the rich and the strong and the dishonest man. While there is not a poor widow nor a peasant with many children, nigh to Sherwood, but has barley flour enough all the year long through him. It grieves my heart to see one as gallant as this duty die, for I have been a good Saxon yeoman in my day, ere I turn palmer, and well I know a stout hand and one that smiteth shrewdly at a cruel Norman or proud abbot with fat money bags. Had good Stutely's master but known how his man was compassed about with perils, perchance he might send succor to bring him out of the hand of his enemies. Aye, marry, that is true, cried the young man. If Robin and his men be nigh this place, I wot right well they will strive to bring him forth from his peril. But fare thee well, thou good old man, and believe me, if Will Stutely die, he shall be right well avenged. Then he turned and strode rapidly away, but the palmer looked after him, muttering, I wot that youth is no country hind that hath come to see a good man die. Well, well. Perchance Robin Hood is not so far away, but that there will be stout doings this day. So he went upon his way, muttering to himself. When David of Doncaster told Robin Hood what the palmer had said to him, Robin called the band around him and spoke to them thus. Now let us get straight away into Nottingham Town and mix ourselves with the people there but keep ye one another in sight, pressing as near the prisoner and his guards as ye can when they come outside the walls. Strike no man without need, for I would fain avoid bloodshed. But if ye do strike, strike hard, and see that there be no need to strike again. Then keep all together until we come again to Sherwood, and let no man leave his fellows. The sun was low in the western sky when a bugle note sounded from the castle wall. Then all was bustle in Nottingham Town, and crowds filled the streets, for all knew that the famous Will Stutely was to be hanged that day. Presently the castle gates opened wide, and a great array of men-at-arms came forth with noise and clatter. The sheriff, all clad in shining mail of linked chain, riding at their head. In the midst of all the guard, in a cart, with a halter about his neck, rode Will Stutely. His face was pale with his wound, with a loss of blood, like the moon in broad daylight, and his fair hair was clotted in points upon his forehead where the blood had hardened. When he came forth from the castle, he looked up and he looked down, but though he saw some faces that showed pity 
and some that showed friendliness. He saw none that he knew. Then his heart sank within him like a plummet of lead, but nevertheless he spoke up boldly. Give a sword into my hand, Sir Sheriff, said he. And wounded man though I be, I will fight thee and all thy men till life and strength be gone. Nay, thou naughty varlet, quoth the sheriff, turning his head and looking right grimly upon Will Stutely, thou shalt have no sword, but shalt die a mean death, as beseemeth a vile thief like thee. Then do but untie my hands, and I will fight thee and thy men with no weapon, but only my naked fists. I crave no weapon. But let me not be meanly hanged this day. Then the sheriff laughed aloud. Why, how now, quoth he, is thy proud stomach quailing? Shrive thyself, thou vile knave, for I mean that thou shalt hang this day, and that where three roads meet, so that all men shall see thee hang for carrying crows and daws to peck at. O thou dastard heart, cried Will Stutely, gnashing his teeth at the sheriff. Thou coward hind, if ever my good master meet thee, thou shalt pay dearly for this day's work. He doth scorn thee, and so do all brave hearts. Knowest thou not that thou and thy name are jests upon the lips of every brave yeoman? Such a one as thou art, thou wretched craven, will never be able to subdue bold Robin Hood. Ha! cried the sheriff in a rage. Is it even so? Am I a jest with thy master, as thou callest him? Now I will make a jest of thee, and a sorry jest withal, for I will quarter thee limb from limb after thou art hanged. Then he spurred his horse forward, and said no more to Stutely. At last they came to the great town gate, through which Stutely saw the fair country beyond, with hills and dales all clothed in verdure, and far away the dusky line of Sherwood's skirts. Then when he saw the slanting sunlight laying on field and fallow, shining readily here and there on cot and farmhouse, and when he heard the sweet birds singing their vespers, and the sheep bleating upon the hillside, and beheld the swallows flying in the bright air, there came a great fullness to his heart, so that all things blurred to his sight through salt tears, and he bowed his head lest the folk should think him unmanly when they saw the tears in his eyes. Thus he kept his head bowed, till they had passed through the gate and were outside the walls of the town. But when he looked up again, he felt his heart leap within him, and then stand still for pure joy, for he saw the face of one of his own dear companions of Mary Sherwood. Then glancing quickly around, he saw well-known faces upon all sides of him, crowding closely upon the men-at-arms who were guarding him. Then of a sudden, the blood sprang to his cheeks, for he saw for a moment his own good master in the press, and seeing him, knew that Robin Hood and all his band were there. Yet betwixt him and them was a line of men-at-arms. Now stand back, cried the sheriff in a mighty voice, for the crowd pressed around on all sides. What mean ye, varlets, that ye push upon us so? Stand back, I say. Then came a bustle and a noise and one strove to push between the men-at-arms so as to reach the cart, and Stutely saw that it was Little John that made all that stir. Now stand thou back, cried one of the men-at-arms, whom Little John pushed with his elbows. Now stand thou back thine own self, quoth Little John, and straightway smote the man a buffet beside his head that felled him as a butcher fells an ox, and then he leaped to the cart where Stutely sat. I pray thee take leave of thy friends, ere thou diest, Will, quoth he. Or maybe I will die with thee, thou must die, for I can never have better company. Then with one stroke he cut the bonds that bound the other's arms and legs, and Stutely leaped straight away from the cart. Now as I live, cried the sheriff, yon varlet I know right well is a sturdy rebel. Take him, I bid you all, and let him not go. So saying, he spurred his horse upon little John, and rising in his stirrups, smote with might and main. But little John ducked quickly underneath the horse's belly, and the blow whistled harmlessly over his head. Nay, good sir, sheriff, cried he, leaping up again when the blow had passed, I must die and borrow thy most worshipful sword. Thereupon he twitched the weapon deftly from out the sheriff's hand. Here, Stutely, he cried, the sheriff hath lent thee his sword. 
Back to back with me, man, and defend thyself, for help is nigh. Down with them, bellowed the sheriff in a voice like an angry bull, and he spurred his horse upon the two who now stood back to back, forgetting in his rage that he had no weapon with which to defend himself. Stand back, sheriff, cried little John, and even as he spoke, a bugle horn sounded shrilly, and a cloth yard shaft whistled within an inch of the sheriff's head. Then came a swaying hither and thither, and oaths, cries, and groans, and clashing of steel, and swords flashed in the setting sun, and a score of arrows whistled through the air. And some cried, Help, help, and some, A rescue, a rescue. Treason, cried the sheriff in a loud voice. Bear back, bear back, else we be all dead men. Thereupon he reined his horse backward through the thickest of the crowd. Now Robin Hood and his band might have slain half of the sheriff's men, had they desired to do so, but they let them push out of the press and get them gone, only sending a bunch of arrows after them to hurry them in their flight. Oh, stay, shouted Will Stutely after the sheriff. Thou wilt never catch bold Robin Hood if thou dost not stand to meet him face to face. But the sheriff, bowing along his horse's back, made no answer, but only spurred the faster. Then Will Stutely turned to little John and looked him in the face till the tears ran down from his eyes and he wept aloud and kissing his friend's cheeks. O little John, quoth he, mine own true friend, and he that I love better than man or woman in all the world beside, little did I reckon to see thy face this day or to meet thee this side of paradise. Little John could make no answer, but wept also. Then Robin Hood gathered his band together in a close rank, with Will Stutely in the midst, and thus they moved slowly away toward Sherwood, and were gone as a storm cloud moves away from the spot where a tempest has swept the land. But they left ten of the sheriff's men lying along the ground wounded, some more, some less, yet no one knew who smote them down. Thus the sheriff of Nottingham tried thrice to take Robin Hood and failed each time, and the last time he was frightened, for he felt how near he had come to losing his life. So he said, These men fear neither God nor man, nor king, nor king's officers. I would sooner lose mine office than my life, so I will trouble them no more. So he kept close within his castle for many a day, and dared not show his face outside of his own household. And all the time he was gloomy and would speak to no one, for he was ashamed of what had happened that day. Good night.